Ham. You liked it on three, one, two, three. You, like you are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. As always, I am your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. Thank you so much for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day. You can also find Locked On Vikings on Amazon Fire or Roku or wherever you find your favorite podcasts, even YouTube. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Uh, <laughs> CJ Ham, baby. CJ Ham <laughs> signs a two-year extension. I love CJ Ham, man. He's the fullback, baby. That's all you got to know about him. But it, it kind of reveals, I think, something about the Vikings strategy that you might not expect just by like the news that the fullback signed, but hear me out on that. There's a little bit of other news as well to go over. So that's going to be the topic today. Um, The Vikings are going away, I think, from the McVay side and going toward the Shanahan side of this sort of McVay-Shanahan wide zone scheme. It's not a, a huge scheme overhaul, but it's a shift to be sure. And I think things are going to work a little bit differently. Um. Both of these, this is not a, a one side is better than the other kind of thing. This is just a different strategy. It just kind of depends on how you think uh, certain guys should be utilized. Um, and it super like depends on the guys that you have. You look at the roster makeup of like the 2021 Rams versus, um, you know, the 2019 49ers, you know, two Super Bowl teams. Um, it's very, very different. Big difference between like Gerald Everett and George Kittle, right? <laughs> Uh, so I'll go over what I think that is. Although the Shanahan side, I admit I'm a little less familiar with, and I am very excited to familiarize myself with it more over several shows over the off season. I think it's a really, really big, expansive thing. It's a whole scheme. And so I think we can talk about it a lot this off season, and I'm pretty excited to do that. Um, but first let's get into the news. So the big one is CJ ham two year extension. As of this recording, um, the details, the money and all that stuff pending. I cannot imagine that it is a lot of money. And, um, I think it was Ben Gessling speculated that it might actually give the Vikings a little bit of cap relief. He's got like a $3.8 million cap hit as it stands for 2023. And it might actually move some of that down the line as part of a greater extension. Like what we kind of expect to happen with like TJ Hawkinson. Um, so that's cool. Uh, I, I got to take an L on this one too. I was kind of looking at like ham and Hicks as, okay, those guys were the easy cuts. Like I said it all the time, <laughs> Neither, both, both of them are staying Hicks takes the pay cut, which was an option. I just didn't think was an option, but is strictly better than, than, than cutting him. Right. Um, being able to approach him and say, okay, pay cut or cut means that, all right, we can actually reduce you to the thing we think your value is. And we'd much rather have that than have to, you know, go replace you. And who knows how much that'll cost. It's definitely better. Um, and then, of course, CJ Ham. I kind of thought, well, I don't know if they actually, they're doing the McVeigh thing, right? The McVeigh thing doesn't need a fullback, so that seems like an easy cut. But I was wrong about the premise of that, that first premise, that they're doing the McVeigh thing. Um, there, it seems like they're doing the Shanahan thing, which utilizes a fullback. And I think they're doing something similar. You know, Mike McDaniel coming off of that in Miami does a lot of similar stuff. Um, there is kind of this world where you use a little bit more of those role players, those bigger guys 
to focus on the run game a little bit more and use that to generate other explosives. I, I don't know if it's something that, I mean, a lot of teams use the Shanahan stuff, but it seems like only Shanahan himself is the Kyle Shanahan himself is, is, you know, the guy making explosive offenses out of Elijah Mitchell's. Uh, so we'll see. And, you know, maybe use himself is like this very important part of this. Um, of course, we have to see how it all turns out, but it does kind of reveal a different philosophy. I'll get into it in a little more detail in a second. But there are a couple other signings that the Vikings made that are worth talking about. One is uh, Brandon Powell, who is, you might remember him from his hit punt return in 2021 against the Vikings. <laughs> if you remember that game, that all but eliminated the Vikings from playoff contention. They lost by a touchdown, and Brandon Powell housed one on them. Um, that was a very frustrating thing. I was very surprised when I was, was researching Brandon Powell. Just real quick, I, he's a special teamer. Uh, but I figured, okay, special teams, wide receiver type. Mate, he's got to be quick, right? Because he's, you know, housing these punters. No, he ran a four five nine. He didn't even run that well, although he looked a lot faster than that on that one clip uh, and in other moments. So maybe there was something wrong with him at the combine or something like that. But I don't know. He, he He's a dude. He's just kind of a guy. He's familiar with Kevin O'Connell. Um, and so O'Connell must like him. And I think this is mainly a special teams thing. Uh, I saw a lot of people kind of speculating, oh, does this mean that they don't really like Jalen Naylor? Does that mean, you know, Jalen Rager's on, on notice or whatever? I don't think that it really shows any greater plan with the bottom part of the roster, because to be honest, all of those decisions are decisions you make in camp. That's what it is. It just means, all right, we're just bringing dudes in and, you know, we'll let the cream rise. But I don't know if there needs to be a specific plan or intention for who wins those battles, putting them in the battle and just letting it organically play out is good enough. Um, although for whatever it's worth with Jalen Rager, he's in the fourth year of a rookie deal. That means that his salary is fully guaranteed. And so if you want to cut him, you're going to have to trade him to, uh, and you, you know, you might do the Jesse Davis thing where it's a 2026 20, conditional seventh or whatever. And really you're just dumping the salary on somebody if you decided to cut him. But I do think that there is going to be competition there at the punt runner returner position. I think that's, I mean, there always is right. Every year you go to camp and 16 people are lining up for the punt returner job and we'll see if any of them can, can beat Jalen Rager out for it. And I think Brandon Powell's one of those candidates. Also, they signed another guy who I think is primarily going to be you know, his best shot to make the team will be on special teams. That's Troy Reader, another guy off of the 2021 Rams. So O'Connor's just bringing in all his old buddies, I guess. Um, he was actually a starting linebacker on those 2021 Rams in a defense that sort of famously didn't need good linebackers. And I remember arguing when I was talking about Donatel and Staley and all of that saying, OK, if you look, the Rams kind of did this, and that's probably why O'Connell likes it, because the Rams won a Super Bowl with this defense with Troy Reader at linebacker, and he's not even good. You know, like, that was my point. <laughs> that, man, they had Troy Reader playing at a starting level. This scheme must really not care about linebackers that much. <laughs> and then, so here he is. Um, I don't think he's that good. I, I don't have a holistic evaluation on him. On him. Uh, and I mean, he, I, I think he's a bubble player. I, I don't know if he's going to make the team and we, we have a lot of time in the off season to really go a little deeper into some of those deep roster guys, but this, I don't think that the, at the most, this dude is like a challenge to Troy die for his roster spot. This does not really change anyone. Neither of these signings change anyone's draft strategy. They don't change any, uh, projections for who else they can sign. I think when, when Jordan Hicks took the pay cut, 
okay, he's the starter, so it's him and Asamoah, and then I think that kind of precluded the Vikings from getting like a serious acquisition at linebacker. This dude's just depth, and I would not be shocked at all if we're sitting there week one going, yeah, and then Brandon Powell and Troy Reader got cut. Um, I don't know. I also I wouldn't be shocked to see them make the team, but I think it has to happen on special teams. From scrimmage, these guys seem like they leave a little bit to be desired, but that's okay. Uh, because they don't need to be anything more than special teams guys. And you can absolutely make a career that's worth hanging your hat on as just a special teamer. Chris Boyd did it and he's visiting the giants right now as an unrestricted free agent and good for him. Um, I want to talk more about the Shanahan thing and get into some more specifics and, and, and in particular, okay, they got Josh Oliver, they got CJ ham. They're clearly doing this. What does it look like? And how's it going to be different? Um, I'll give you what I know about that right now. And then it will honestly be interesting to, to kind of compare this to what I know about it in July. Once I've been able to really spend a lot of time researching it and learning it, uh, more than I can kind of at the, you know, the, the same day, some news breaks. But before I do that, I want to talk to you about FanDuel. It's a good old grambling season. March madness is on. We got the XFL. Uh, we had the world baseball classic. Everybody loved that. Uh, the, the two two angels guys, that was fun. If you want to gramble on such things, you can go to FanDuel.com. And if you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and you're new to FanDuel, you can get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. You just download the, the FanDuel Sportsbook app as well, which is safe and secure, very easy to use. And you can bet on whatever from uh, money lines, spreads, individual player props, like who will drain this many threes or, uh, you know, which Arlington renegade will score the first touchdown. Or you can even mash all that stuff together into a big parlay and uh, go for a bigger payout. Once again, don't miss the chance to get that no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you download the app or go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more about that no sweat first bet. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Vikings your first listen of the day. For your second listen, check out Patreon. I just put up a big video on Hendon Hooker that sort of is a companion piece to my podcast yesterday, or if you're not interested in Hendon Hooker, you can watch one about Will Levis or Christian Gonzalez. And if you join me, you can watch stuff from Hendon Hooker. I've got a Quentin Johnston one. I've got one about Joey Porter that I'm very excited about and all sorts of other stuff coming down this pipe all through draft season, plus the history doc and film breakdowns from the entire 2022 season. Go check it out. Um... So, so bringing back CJ Ham is meaningful. Not because of like how much they're going to pay him or because he's, you know, this this key cog in the offense, but because the existence of a fullback tells us that they're going to run plays that use a fullback. Hopefully that logic follows to you. <laughs> um, and it kind of means okay, we're going to the Shanahan tree. And I the the first sign I got of this was Josh Oliver. Okay, they they got a famously good blocking or a guy coming off of one of the best years uh, as a blocking tight end, right? Um, and then they let Adam Thielen go, and then they signed uh, CJ Ham or they extended CJ Ham. They didn't need to even do that. They could have just left CJ Ham on the roster, but no, they went. You're part of our future plans, CJ Ham. We are keeping you in the building for three years. If they just wanted to reduce his cap hit, they could have. Uh, uh, approached that a number of different ways. No, they purchased additional years of CJ Ham. Um, and as a, an aside, I love it. I love how CJ Ham is uh, an entirely uncontroversial figure. <laughs> Nobody dislikes this move. 
because we love CJ Ham. It's nobody's got opinions on whether or not, you know, a be- a, another fullback would have been better. Nobody's got looking at him like, you know, ah, oh, gosh, I wish we could have replaced it. Get a little younger at fullback. Nobody wants. No, we just we love it. Augustana, Minnesota native. Let's get it. CJ Ham, baby. We love him. And that's it. And it's very pure. We, we don't need to go into the minutia of if everybody's providing surplus ROI on their draft slot. Nah, man, go CJ Ham. We love you. And we're going to we're going to love you every time you catch the ball. And get way more yards than a fullback ever should, which you do a lot. I love CJ Ham. I love it. Uh, but from a schematic perspective, the existence of a fullback implies okay, they're going to do fullback stuff, which of course means they're going to use the and they did some Shanahan stuff last year, and it worked out pretty well. I remember in particular uh, against Miami, the Dolphins basically decided that they were going to leave their base package out against the Vikings, even when the Vikings were in 11 personnel. So they weren't going to go to nickel and the Vikings were having a lot of success. They were just coming off a bears game where they crushed them doing this. Um, They were having a lot of success punishing your nickel packages in the run game and then with play action passing. And it kind of depended on the way they killed the bears. Was it dependent on kind of what Kirk Cousins saw at the line of scrimmage? And um, they were really punishing those nickel packages. So the Dolphins said, okay, we're not putting our nickel out there. Then you can have uh, our base package and go ahead, try to run on our bigs. Um, And the Vikings kind of took that dare and they said, all right, we're going to, we're going to leave our, our three wide receivers out there and try to, to pass all over your bigs. But then they, you know, bracketed enough of Justin Jefferson and, um, you know, kept being physical with with Thielen and Osborne and kind of stymied the Vikings offense. Remember, that was the game where they got like 10 three and outs. Um, and, And so they stymied the Vikings offense a decent amount there until late in the game. A lot of those three and outs came in like before the fourth quarter. Late in the game, the Vikings decided, all right, we will acquiesce. We'll put our bigs out there too. We'll put out CJ Ham. We'll start running stuff out of 21 personnel. And then the offense opened up a little bit. I think they're just making that decision permanent uh, or more permanent. Of course, everything will rotate. And part of the Shanahan thing, like the DNA is all very similar. Um, it's a lot of horizontal zig and zag, right? We're going to do, we're going to do zone this way and then boot the other way. We're going to, you know, run these, a, a lot of run game, a lot of play action. Um, all the stuff we kind of know these wide zone systems to be, uh, you know, the, like a lot of it shares all the same DNA nowadays. And, and it's like, I think every team in the NFC North is running some version of this now. Um, so all that's still there, right? This is not a seismic shift, not like what we are seeing on defense where they throw out everything you learned last year. We're all the way back to square one. No, this is just going to be sort of, this is more of a tweak. Um, but the difference, I think, is while McVeigh he wants to spread things out. He wants to kind of get everybody to sort of flow away from each other so that your best dude can have a one-on-one. Um, you know, Sean McVeigh has Cooper Cup. And, and I want Cooper Cup to be one-on-one. I'm going to run a clear out. I'm going to put three dudes on the other side of the field. And now you get to have a one-on-one. You're going to run an option route or choice. Uh, and we're just going to have a free six yards off of that. That's going to be how we do this. Uh, and, and that's what we run on first down all the time. So we get all the second and fours that we want. Um, that's McVeigh. Shanahan's is a little different. It's not necessarily just trying to get, it's not as much of a numbers game. It's a people game. 
And again, there is absolutely pros and cons to all of this, and, and coaches have debated till they're blue in the face which one's better. I'm not here to weigh in on that. I'm just here to show you the difference. But it's more about, I want the ball in George Kittle's hands, however I can get it there. Or Christian McCaffrey's hands as, as of this year when they traded for him. Or Debo Samuel's hands. I want the ball in my best dude's hands. I just want that guy to get the ball. If that means I'm running him on a crossing route all the time, so be it. Uh, you know, if, if whoever, and it's whoever that is, George Kittle's not healthy. All right. It's a Debo game. Uh, Debo's not healthy. It's a Christian McCaffrey game, right? Um, as long as I got somebody who can be like the playmaker, the, the, the game's going to go through their hands. And then it's a game plan thing too. And this is what makes the 49ers so frustrating in like fantasy. If you have George Kittle, you have, you know, all right, I got Debo Samuel and he disappears for two weeks because they were going up against a team that they thought was going to be more susceptible to George Kittle. Uh, and, and then he was the guy that, that time, right? Um, it, it, it can make that really frustrating. And it's also why the 49ers seem to be able to have offensive success, no matter who's playing quarterback, no matter which personnel guys are in there, because it's all about kind of saying, okay, who is my guy that they can't handle? Is it Kittle? Cause if he's a mismatch, is it Debo Samuel? Cause they can't keep up with him. Um, you know, who's the guy that they cannot handle and how do I get that guy, the ball as much as possible? And how do I give that guy opportunities in space? So it's a lot more after catch stuff. Or, you know, if, if it's a burner, then it becomes deep stuff. But it's okay. Who, who is my guy and what does he need to succeed? And let's just provide him all of that. Versus McVeigh, which is who is my guy and how can I isolate him? Um, it's just, I don't know, different approaches. So that's the the different stuff. Like, you know, we're not, I, I would say, I wouldn't expect to hear illusion of complexity as much. That's my guess. I don't, I don't know if Kevin O'Connell will say illusion of complexity as much because the Shanahan version of the offense is not, it's not an illusion of complexity. It's just complexity. There's just a lot going on because there's a lot of different personnel packages. This is where CJ Ham comes in. If you have a guy, let's say it's Dalvin Cook. Let's say they keep Dalvin Cook, which I don't know how they're going to approach that, but, you know, topic for another day. Um... And say, you know, hey, I think the best way to spring Dalvin Cook is with a lead blocker, especially against that team because they've got like smaller defenders. Say it's the Cardinals, right? The Cardinals have a very small defense. I think. Do they still? I'm pretty sure they still have a small defense. I haven't paid attention to their offseason at all, except I guess Byron Murphy. But, you know, they, they've got a bunch of tweeners. They're like all about speed, right? Okay. So we're going to come out and we're going to use CJ Ham. We're going to get Dalvin Cook the ball a whole bunch. Uh, with CJ Ham lead blocking, we're going to use it to you do play action stuff, but it's going to really be a Dalvin Cook kind of day against the Cardinals. Um, that means that you need to have a viable fullback. You can't just put a fan out there, right? You got to have a dude that can that can block, that can do the job. Um, you know, a guy that can be a decent enough decoy that can catch passes well enough that in coverage, you know, they need to dedicate a guy to him. That's what CJ Ham does. And then maybe there's another game where you go, okay, they love to flatten out these fronts and they, you know, they really like to, um, you know, that's how they want to attack our zone stuff. We're going to come out with an extra tight end to try to get a body back out there. And that was basically how the Vikings approached Arizona last year, uh, who came right after that Miami game and tried to replicate the same strategy. But the Vikings came out with a whole bunch of two tight end stuff and, and boomed them. Um, so if that's the case, okay, well, we need a, a second tight end that a can block for all these run plays and B can be a weapon in the pass game. Cause we're going to do play action out of this and he needs to be useful. Okay. That's Josh Oliver. Um, you need to have, now that might only come up in three, four games, but it'll be the key to those three, four games, you know? So that's 
why I think the personnel is is going the way it is. And that means you you have a whole bunch of different packages. So if we're talking about bringing a young quarterback in, well, now he has to learn the 21 personnel version of this, the 12 personnel, the 11 personnel version of this. It was a little simpler last year for new guys to learn, but we didn't have that many. We had Ed Ingram was like the only new guy to the, to the offense. Well, I guess everybody was new to the offense because it was year one. Um, but, you know, Ed Ingram was the newest guy to like zone principles and stuff. Everybody else had, had played in the Kubiak version, which isn't that different. I guess the philosophy is we're going from a team that wants to make it as easy as possible to get the ball, to get an opportunity to throw the ball to their best dude, the Cooper Cup role, the Justin Jefferson thing. We're now saying we want to get as many opportunities. as It's like going, we want the best opportunities possible, or now we want as many opportunities as possible for whoever our playmaker is, whether that's Justin Jefferson or if we're going against the Eagles, we're worried they're going to bracket him all day. Okay, this is a TJ Hawkinson game. Um, and yes, TJ Hawkinson in the George Kittle role. I think that that's something that's happening. And I think it's just a little bit of a shift that they're doing offensively because of just like how inefficient their run game was last year and how that sort of held them back in certain times, especially, um, you know, as games, as blowout games kind of got away from them. They didn't really have like a stabilizing presence. It was just shot plays on shot plays on shot plays, which just dug them deeper into the hole against like the Cowboys and the Packers and so on. I'm not quite finished. I also want to talk about how this plays in with the guys the Vikings have or maybe will have uh, and, and sort of how they slot into all of these different roles. So... The biggest thing is, okay, how does Justin Jefferson, who just had the best season in football in the Cooper Cup role, remember all that hullabaloo about how he's going to, you know, going to get 2K and he actually might have, he was getting close if if he wore the right shoes in, in Lambeau uh, and how he was so excited for this Cooper Cup role and all the extra volume and all of that bore out, all of that turned Justin Jefferson into the best wide receiver in football. Um he wins offensive player of the year, all of that stuff. Um, well, now we're changing offenses. So now what's the Justin Jefferson role? And honestly, there is nothing stopping them from just also. What if Cooper Cup played it for the 49ers? Like, no, like, think about that. What if Cooper Cup played for the 49ers? How would that look? Uh, that would probably be sick, right? Like, that would be super dope. You could just, like, run a couple McVay plays. They could bring out, you know, their their 11P every once in a while. It would give them another tool. And then sometimes, you know, you'd rotate him away, and then you'd bring out Debo and and Juszczyk and Elijah Mitchell and George Kittle. Or, and, and, you know, and then I guess maybe Cooper Cup can also still be on the field. And, you know, now you get to pick your point. Like, there would be all kinds of, of, of totally sick stuff that would happen. Uh, so I think we could just leave that and just keep giving him those same blocking assignments and you'd probably have to adapt the shape of some of those plays, but that's going to be something I think about is, okay, what does Justin Jefferson's role look like now? He's still going to going to be the, I mean, it's about playmakers and he is the playmaker of playmakers, right? Uh, but it's about, okay, now how are we maximizing his opportunities? And in particular, how are we solving that problem where if you cap Justin Jefferson with a safety, this offense falls apart. Um, and I think the answer to that lies in TJ Hawkinson. TJ Hawkinson in the George Kittle role, right? Like, look, I'm going to look at a lot of 49, 49ers plays and say, okay, can TJ Hawkinson do what George Kittle did there? And I think he can do I mean, he's not the superstar that George Kittle is, obviously. George Kittle's an alien. Um, but I think he can at least do an adequate job of a lot of that stuff. And 
we can sort of move off of it from there and and you can kind of get that second foil. And then it gets to the skill players. Like, okay, what is CJ Ham for? Well, he's going to do use check stuff, right? He'll run a wheel route, but it'll be a lot of lead blocking. It'll be a lot of being the hammer, you know? Um, I think CJ Ham is a very underrated receiver just because he's a fullback. People don't expect a lot from him, but he can run a wheel. He can do stuff. You know, he can catch a screen and take it um, and, and, you know, follow his blockers and do the right thing, right? But I don't think he's quite as talented as, as use check is from, from that angle. Uh, but I still think he can kind of, again, execute the role, uh, and you're just not making it as focal, right? You're 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 taking all the Brandon Ayuk plays and kind of souping those up and kind of you know relying on them more and, and and putting more energy into them and saying okay now these are the Justin Jefferson plays and then taking energy away from the the George Kittle plays because it's you know it's Hawkinson and he's now the secondary option instead of maybe like the scariest guy on San Francisco arguably there's a lot of scary guys in San Francisco but perhaps the most interesting thing here is Dalvin Cook and. I don't I, I I really don't know what's gonna happen with Dalvin Cook. There was some scuttlebutt before about him getting traded and and that's sort of faded now and maybe it'll be after the draft, maybe it'll be during the draft or whatever. But in the world where Dalvin Cook stays and is part of this offense, I think that this particular change to bigger dudes, you know, two tight ends, two running backs, is pretty sick for him. Um and I think the last change to the McVeigh style stuff, this Kevin O'Connell thing was not because the way the Vikings approached the run game last year was with a sense of apathy that really, we're just going to run enough wide zones so that you have to take our play action seriously. And we're not really going to get it going. We're not really going to let these O linemen get into a rhythm blocking. We're not really going to get, you know, we're going to just sort of run what we run. And well, it's sort of an afterthought, a very analytics forward kind of the, the run sort of only matters. You just really got to do it enough. So the play action gets taken seriously, um, which is not a, an establish it kind of thing, but it's I, even analytics like Ben Baldwin has will acknowledge that like, well, you can't, you got to run it like twice, right? You got to run it some, uh, but you don't have to stick to it or anything. You just need to sprinkle enough of it in where a defense isn't going to start selling out to, to stop the pass, which never happens. So he's, there's not going to be a lot of data on what happens when, when teams just abandon it like entirely. Right. But this is a, like a more dedicated approach to it. And again, it's about getting the ball to your playmakers with opportunities. And I would say ball in his hands after Justin Jefferson, the guy I would most like to have ball in his hands with a chance to do something with it is probably Dalvin cook on the roster right now. He's the, if there's ball in ball in his hands with one guy to make him miss Dalvin cook is like made for that. That's what he does. Um, and so I would be very excited for that. Now, hey, look, maybe they trade him away and they get somebody else, and we're talking, having this conversation about, I don't know, Deshaun Vaughn or something, but um, whoever it ends up being, you know, now I'm looking for juice. I'm looking for, like, give me an electrifying playmaker, right? Uh, it, it sort of makes me rethink what I thought about, like, B. John Robinson. I, I still don't think it's necessary but just because of the way that the rest of the class is to, to go, like, spend a first-round pick on this guy. Um but really, if you're going to spend a first-round pick on the offense, spend a first-round pick on playmaker. And I don't really care what position he plays, but I, I need that dude to be electric, right? So that's I still like Zay Flowers. He's kind of that kind of guy, you know, even though I, I'm probably higher on him than, like, consensus is, but I, I would like him at 23. Uh, we've talked about him a little on a mock draft Monday, but that's sort of the... 
uh, baby's first intro to the Shanahan scheme. And I, I, I need to research it more. I need to learn more. And, and, and you're going to learn while I do. Uh, so everything I say about the Shanahan scheme that I've learned, I probably learned that day. And that's, that's honestly like 65% of this podcast, uh, which I hope you enjoy. So, uh, tomorrow, I don't know. We'll, we'll talk about something. Maybe we'll talk about Deontay Banks. I've been watching him today, but I'm not quite done with him. Whatever it is. Hey, check out Locked On NFL. Uh, check out all of our new draft stuff. Check out Luke Inman's newsletter. You can hear about that on the Minnesota Football Party, which you can find me on as well. Uh, I'll see y'all tomorrow. And as always, skull.